0: Welcome to the Supported Living Property Podcast with your host, me, Lisa Brown, the place to learn about supported living property investing. In this episode, Toby Wilde explains how he is working with institutional lenders to develop supported and social housing. He shares his experience of developing supported living property in London and gives great practical advice for property investors about developing and investing in property for supported living. Hi, Toby. It's great to have you here today. How are you? Uh,
1: very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Excite- excited to be doing this.
0: It's great. It's taken us a while, hasn't it? Because of yeah, various cancellations on both sides. So it's brilliant to finally get this sorted. For people who don't know you, Toby, do you want to introduce yourself and tell people a little bit about you?
1: Sure. Um, so I come from a, a third generation real estate family. Uh construction and development.
0: It's all right, it's fine. <laughs> Sorry,
1: this will keep happening. There's a lot of people in this office, uh, so <laughs> let me lock, lock that. <laughs> Aaron Yahya, my colleague, photo uh, <laughs> bombing us. Um, See, so yeah, I come from a third generation real estate uh, and construction development uh, family, um, which focused on um, new build, residential, construction mostly, and student stuff. Uh, so a lot of government contracts, social housing, etc. cetera. Um, so I, I left school at fifteen to go and work for them. Uh, worked as a bit as a as a as a as a, as a realtor, uh, and then I moved into uh, agency uh, development consultancy uh, and my own developments. Um, Following on from that, and the amount of research and due diligence I was doing to actually do deals, I got involved in a project called Sprith.com, uh, which was the uh, one of the first centralized property data platforms in the UK about seven years ago. Um, I think that grew to be the largest one by paid users in the UK. It's still a very successful business, um, and but for me, I, I wanted to get back into developments uh, and actually not so much just selling services as actually, you know, um, licking bricks, as my, my as Aaron would say.
0: I like that that's a great term and and where's your relationship with supported housing come from where's that coming uh
1: so I uh well Aparo um which is what we do now which is the first algorithm driven real estate investment company in the UK uh when we first started we worked on a proof of concept using mandated partners uh, and one of our first mandated partners was a housing association who um at the time, about 500 units and they were looking to expand their presence into London. Uh, they approached us and said, can you find us assets? We said we can find them, we can fund them, we can deliver them uh, and, and all the rest of it. Um, and the reason we're particularly passionate about supported is um, you know, myself. I have an autistic sister who, who about 20 years ago when she left the Steiner School uh, really needed supported accommodation because there was sort of there was care provision or there was like Steiner schools where they, they aimed to get people that, uh, to have be able to live semi-independent lives uh, but there's kind of not much in between um, and uh, unfortunately because she didn't really have the opportunities she sort of went back to being non-verbal for the first time uh, sorry non-verbal again um, having the school got her really confidence up and um, and so that I viewed that as a shame and also our, our CEO uh, Babak he used to be uh, involved in an organization that was also trying to do uh, solve, some, solve some of the issues of surrounding homelessness um, so, you know, we're, as a business, we like to believe, you know, we're a profit-driven enterprise, but at the same time, we equally believe in purpose. Um, so the profit's not the only motivator for us, and but at the same time, nor is purpose. We're, we're a combination of the two to try and have a wider
0: impact. Fantastic. So what, actually, day-to-day, what is it that Aparo are doing? What is it that you're trying to achieve at the moment, Toby? Sure.
1: Uh, so Aparo is... Um, Apari's objectives are to have a a, a, a wide-reaching um, social impact and improve the lives of, of people, um, and we do that through managing relationships with 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 investment uh, investors. Um, so, uh, we typically have historically worked with um, with hedge funds, family offices, um, and uh, now we're moving more into the realms of patient capital, be that pension fund money, insurance company money, uh, in order to. Uh, provide a turnkey solution for providers and local authorities to find them assets buy them assets build them assets deliver them high quality psychologically informed environments um, to provide supported or mainstream social housing
0: so when you're talking about assets you're talking about property you're talking about people's homes is that right homes. yeah homes, yeah yes. absolutely so it's about so it's about using big chunks of money and 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 directing that towards creating homes for people. <laughs>
1: it's an interesting thing so when you're Mm. talking when you talk more with investors and funders you're talking assets but then when you're talking with um, providers and local authorities it stops being an asset it becomes a home so it's remembering to switch between the two because funders typically as long as they're getting their yield and there's an esg element to what we do which they're very keen on but by the
0: esg element for those who aren't familiar with that terminology just remind us what that means
1: environmental social and governance
0: um, which obviously supported housing fits that really nicely doesn't it
1: it does yeah it's um it takes a lot of the boxes because it's, it's it's sort of um through the lha it's index linked uh, although we we cap all our incomes at lha rates or percentage of the lha we we're not we don't cap it to inflation um, so it's it's it has that it has longevity so it has long-term guaranteed incomes for um for pension funds Uh, which helps solve some of the issues surrounding um pensioners in retirement who've worked all their their lives ensuring they actually have enough money in retirement to 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 survive uh, and you know not not be um not have their income completely compressed by inflation um so yeah it's but when you when you're dealing with with them it's more about uh, funders it's more about assets and but actually that asset really is at home so it's um it's it's I find I spend my time learning a lot of acronyms and a lot of jargon and a lot of language, different languages within the real estate and finance world so I can sort of wear both hats in terms of being a pure real estate person but also at the same time being able to talk to the people that can actually provide us with the backing to make the the change we, we want to see.
0: And that's really important, isn't it, to be able to bring in the money from from those sources where, where you know, and direct that to this, this purpose, which is, you know, it's very much needed, isn't it? Absolutely. At the moment. And so so you're bringing that money together and then coordinating with people who need them on the ground and in local authorities. And and right. what typically what kind of properties are they that you're you, are they properties you develop or are they properties? Are you purchasing sort of portfolios of properties or?
1: so it's um it's t- it's typically been um it's typically been supported accommodation, which can be anything from three to 12 bed uh units per site um, so
0: blocks which... of flats basically when you're talking about the units yeah
1: yeah exactly so it's it they're typically studio homes uh for individual people um so um so yeah, that's historically where we've worked in. So in our sort of proof of concept pilot phase, uh, we delivered 135 uh, social units uh, in central London um, or supported units in London, which are all studios or one beds. Um, and they're all we purchase. Uh, typically, we'll, what we'll do is we'll buy blocks of flats or um, or sort of sui generis HMOs and um, take them you know, refurbish them to a high standard, reconfigure them to you know sort of um, to be um, you know really good quality. To be honest, we we wouldn't differentiate anything from what we do in the social or supported space from what we would do as a private investor if we we're investing in PRS. We still put in really good quality materials. We have an in-house interior uh, delivery and design team who focus on psychologically informed environments, which. Um, is uh although being a buzzword at the moment actually is a little bit more uh meat on the bones in terms of what that actually encompasses in in terms of creating an environment that actually meets the psychological needs of a resident in order to enable them to have a happier and healthier life and move more into long-term education or employment
0: so what would that look like for somebody in a pro what would that mean when you're looking at what that actually means when you're refurbing a property
1: so it's well, as I said, so we sort of take them back, back to brick, uh, we ensure that every every unit is uh, on suite or has its own exclusive use uh, facilities. Um, it can. It's down to the layout of the rooms, tonality of the rooms, getting the right furniture in place where there's odd shaped rooms using innovative design solutions to make the rooms more um, more uh, appealing and also easier to use, but it's also about just encouraging a sort of a basis of um, you know, clutter-free living effectively uh, with the right tonality to be in warm, embracing environment while not cold and institutional-like. So it's going the extra distance instead of just putting down, you know, like lino flooring, as I've seen some people do in this kind of space or really like saving on. It's putting in things like, you know, LVT, like tiles, like flooring tiles, which have you know, feel like wood. Um, so they have that warmth about them. Mm. Um,
0: and they um, last longer as well.
1: They come with a 30 year guarantee, so that puts less of a financial burden on the provider. Um, But I mean, we've been very. We've been very proactive in reducing costs so that we can provide better quality units for cheaper costs, even if that means importing products um, in order to save on um, on costs to actually provide a better quality than you would necessarily be able able to afford to. I mean, I, I think that's one of the. The misconceptions about the space is that it's where you put housing or you put homes that you can't rent on open market. Well, it'll be good enough for people and supported, so let's put them in it. Our, Absolutely. Yeah, it's a big bugbear of mine, to be honest with you. It's um, it's sort of differentiating or thinking that people should be treated differently just because of their circumstances. Um, but I mean, are you. Unit-
0: conversations, then someone starts. It's not quite good enough for private rentals. So I thought it'd be good for supported living, Lisa. Mm, no.
1: you need to get better it's um but we i mean you know this is london prices obviously in london transaction costs but we are we put about twenty nine thousand into every unit we do uh, in terms of refurbishment conversion etc
0: and that's for a studio or a one-bed flat so that's they're expensive refurbs aren't they compared to what you can get away with doing if you're doing it on the cheap so yeah. yeah yeah exactly
1: no there's no there's no yeah cutting corners of it
0: and the tenant groups that you're working with generally, what kind of support needs do people have? What Who are you working with generally?
1: So historically on our supportive portfolio, we've worked um, with vulnerable adults. Um, so it's typically um, people who have been homeless or couch surfing. Um, so, it, you know, a lot of people out there, especially in London, who are homeless uh, and couch surfing. And I think if COVID showed us anything, it's that actually um, with the right funding and with the right solutions and the right Momentum. There can be a lot done to actually ensure that people don't have to sleep rough or don't spend, you know, long time floating between couches. I mean, if you don't have a secure home where you can actually take good care of yourself, you know, what chance do you have of getting into employment, education or, you know, just even living a bit more of a structured life? so there could be that, um, it can be uh, survivors of domestic abuse, it can be uh, ex-forces, it can be people with mental health uh, needs uh, or, or people who, have, who are in recovery from substance uh, misuse, uh, substance abuse I should say, not misuse, um, and um, and you know, even people down to long-term healthcare needs. You know, I, I happen to know at the moment we've got a couple of tenants who are who are going through long-term healthcare treatments, and which makes them impossible for them to work. But also, they need to have that kind of community engagement and support in order to you know perhaps help them get to hospital, help them do shopping. Um, so, on our supported portfolio, we, we do work with registered providers, uh, and typically our, our expectation is uh, to for them to do um, provide support services and to be there. You know at you know, the provider we we, we we built our first portfolio with i know that they have a 24-hour response line where tenants can call them at any time and they have boots on the ground in the area they visit the properties you know they claim weekly but every time i seem to go there there seems to be someone from the rp there uh, so i think they spend a lot more time there than they than they they would allude to because it is actually you've got to have a personal touch it's it's not just charging more rent and putting people in buildings that's not that this doesn't cut the master
0: no, absolutely. And do you um, do you tend to work with any organization or are you quite discriminating about who you work with? Do you have a sort of set of criteria of, uh, who you work with?
1: Um, yeah, so it's we are discerning in the who we work with in terms of we want people to have the right motivation and agenda. Um, so we we do we work with a lot of community organizations. Um, we work with historically we've worked with one RP principally. Uh, but off the back of the success from that, we've been contacted by other RPs uh, and registered providers, i.e., the, old, the new name of Housing Associations, mm. and uh, or a lot of community interest uh, organisations, um, who we can also, you know, we can effectively provide them the solutions to 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 meet our lease requirements and also uh, to get. Because obviously, there's a big issue with funding, and I'm sure you're aware of uh, we're aware of this, where community organizations typically can't get back all the money because there has to be some form of oversight by the regulated provider in order to, to get that money back and to ensure that qualities are being matched. So, um, on the basis of the quality we provide now, we do have providers who are interested in doing management services for community organizations who um, who have that impact in that community, you know. I'm I'm starting to discover there's a lot of CICs, for instance, who are really good people who are not in it to make a buck they actually they have lived experience they have um, family experience in the space they want to do good the council are willing to work with them because they've got personal relationships but then funders like us struggle to, to back them because they're not registered um but fortunately there are upcoming solutions for this now to actually ensure the oversight because the delay in becoming uh, a regulated provider these days is is just it's prohibitive to actually t- t- having an impact today
0: Yeah, and the cost and the time burden in getting there is huge isn't it so that's really interesting and that's really exciting to hear that you're able to work with different organizations because I think that's been one of the um, big restrictions I think for some of the funding tranches has been that it's very restricted to large established providers and it doesn't allow for those innovative (coughs) providers who are doing things brilliantly, you know. yeah so that that sounds really really exciting and really positive and you were talking about um some changes in the way that you're operating and some di- as you're sort of identifying some different needs that are that are there tell me a little bit more about that
1: well it's, it's it we're very excited because um no we're, we're always going to continue doing parasocial and supportive housing because it's something we as an organization believe in right um and it is hard work you asked me earlier what our day-to-day is the day-to-day it is uh, very uh, time consuming, ensuring the delivery is done correctly, that the um, the assets are on point they're being delivered on time. My biggest barriers to be honest with that business uh, have always been funding uh, in terms of slow in terms of slow turnarounds of banks to to fund it. There's not many banks who particularly like this space. Um, I think we've been battering down as a collective um, the people in the space who want to do this for, for long enough now that actually banks are starting to stand up and listen, which is very exciting um but day to day it's not fast
0: difficult. enough for me but yeah i think they're beginning to
1: <laughs> evaluations are the worst it's like i honestly yeah it's i find it very frustrating getting honest evaluations in the space from people who aren't just trying to cover their pi policy um you can show them you know an offer letter on on an asset or a valuation you know from the stock market based on these assets because there's a few providers or backers who are now listed etc so there's comps, comps galore out there backing up what we say they're worth. And we're pretty conservative. And then you still get people like, i are gonna value it on vacant possession. And you're like, well, or oh, I'm gonna value it as a, as a residential house. And you're like, no Rick's guidelines. So you value it on income. And aside from that, you need to take into a position that the covenant and the strength of the covenant, uh, and what that adds to it. And um, Yeah, I find that very frustrating. Anyway, it's great. We really love supporting, we're always going to keep on doing it, but um, there's probably going to be a limit on how many of them we can continue to deliver. I think time is told we can do about 200 units a year without becoming an aggregator. Um, And at the moment, there's not, there's only a few providers out there that I've seen that have the quality of stock that that we would consider, we would like to add to our portfolio as it were. Um, So we are engaged with those people, Um, but it's very much, we have a very elegant solution because we have access to a lot of funding uh, to deliver this. Um, but there is there is a massive need aside from supported in what you'd label mainstream social housing, which is typically you know two, three, four bedroom uh, houses, apartments. Um, you know, because a lot of people are out there they're tem- in temporary accommodation, and emergency accommodation, um, and that's not a true emergency or temporary. You'd assume is temporary. Some people, I mean, I. I've, I, I'm not going to put them on the spot, but I think one council at the moment has had someone in temporary accommodation for 30 years, uh, one London council, on average it's in the years, you know, this yeah. costs councils a fortune. Also, again, how do you expect a family to, you know, have good success in school, education or in employment, you know, if you are living four to a B&B bedroom, right, which is not uncommon.
0: Um, no, Sadly it isn't, no.
1: So, so there's a huge need uh, for what you can typically term more mainstream social housing, but about half of mainstream social housing also have additional needs. that are just not being met. Um, so we the funding line we've just managed to unlock uh, allows us to to deliver more mainstream social housing as well. whether that's sort of a right to buy back model or that's new build social housing, we are actively looking for RPs and in particular local authorities to back to help help um reduce some of the risks not risks reduce some of the burdens on the state that are experienced by that due to you know it's it's um it's a lot to do for any organization to do everything right cradle to the grave and Councils house people very well. They manage people, and they deal with the social care needs of people incredibly well. But unfortunately, due to funding cuts from the nineteen eighties and nineties, they haven't necessarily had the right infrastructure or teams in place to deliver new build social housing or do that asset management side of the business. Um, so we are there, saying, "Look, you, we can be your outsourced turnkey key provider, where we can fund it, deliver it, and actually help help some of the bird carry some of the burden effectively." Hmm. that's why our new funding lines have have opened up that that ability to be able to do
0: that for them that's interesting so you're going to keep that you do that in addition to carrying on doing the supported housing sort of on the side and and keep that going that sounds that sounds really interesting do you have um any advice or tips and guidance for property investors who are looking to come into this space toby what are your thoughts about that uh
1: yeah (laughs) um i i mean it's Yes, I'm always happy to talk to people uh, and give uh, advice, but I mean, you know, it's it's an opinion uh, and it's nothing, nothing more than that. <laughs>
0: but it's an opinion from someone who's been in this space for a while. So so what is your opinion? Share that with us. Sure. Um,
1: so I think it's uh, I think it's a difficult um, I think it's a difficult space to do. Right. I think it's a very difficult space to um, to to uh from a standing start to prove to people you're right in it for the right uh, for the right motivations and opinion um i think there is a big opportunity for individual private landlords to focus more on the smaller end of the market the more um i hesitate to word, no i'm not going to use i'm going to say specialized i was going to say niche but i didn't feel comfortable with that but specialized the specialized social housing where typically it is more um more um support needed by the residents um so uh, so where there's more support needed by the residents such as uh, smaller units so for instance you know people with uh, complex needs or um sen who perhaps need a full-time living carer is not what we are set up to to support um our neither our providers are nor are we as a delivery partner um because it's a lot of work and, and um doing like a th- like three supported units in, say, a semi detached house is just not what we are um, no, set, no. set up to do anymore. So mm-hmm. I think there's a big opportunity for uh, private landlords and smaller providers, especially those who, you know, have, who don't perhaps need as long leases, uh, which is what funding requirements, you know, typically institutions have. I think there's a fantastic opportunity for, for, for individual landlords to get into that space. Um, and that's something I actively Uh, would encourage, because it's something we can't do, and I would love personally to see it done. Um, So I think that's a great opportunity. Um, I think you've got to have the right motivations going into it. Um, It's purpose as well as profit. So you need to be fair to your providers. You need to care about your tenants in terms of the quality of product you you, you provide in the homes they live in. Um, And I think it's a hard slog and it takes a lot of resilience, but there is a lot of reward for doing so. I, I, but I mean, real estate's just a really tough game now. Now, um, you know, it's not like it was when I was growing up, and I'm a lot older than I, I look. Uh, I've been doing this eighteen years now. Um, real estate, anyway, eighteen years, and um, you know, it's the predates of the SME developers. Are, I keep saying they've been numbered because the government keeps pushing towards institutions or companies set up as institutional um, sort of uh, organisations. It, it's really the focus is on them and institutions expanding and getting bigger. Um, SME developers and landlords are finding it a real struggle, hence the reason we know that rental prices are going up so drastically because there's a big exodus from the space. And, you know, it's, you know, the waiting list for social housing in particular, it's getting more and more. Like we sold off 29,000 right to buy houses last year and then we built 7,000 new social houses. You know, it's coming more and more of an acute problem. Um, but at the same time, there's not been enough being done, I believe, to encourage the private landlords or smaller landlords out there to stay in the space. And I think that's in part because a lot of landlords are being tarred. The majority are being tarred by the brush of the minority. You know, the Peter Rackman-esque landlords out there, as I call them, you know, I'm sure most people do. You know, the sort of slum landlords have given the whole sector a bad name and as having unintended consequences on the people who can make an impact. You know, it, it's not enough to rely on institutions or big developers to solve this problem. You need a cottage industry of private landlords because uh, best will in the world, we want to do as much as we can and have as broad reach as we can, but we are not set up and do not have the resources to do thousands and thousands of small projects. You know, if I did, then I would be unprofitable because the overheads are so high.
0: Yeah, and that's what people. a lot of people need, particularly with the highest support needs is a normal house in a normal street. With maybe a few adaptations to keep people safe or a carer's suite or something that's needed in it and that's exactly yeah it's exactly what i bang on about all the time toby is that's what our that's what our small landlords and private property investors should you know need to be working on and that's where the we can solve that problem that way but um yeah no thank you it's been brilliant thank you for sharing your advice and experience with us today it's been really brilliant.
1: I'd like to caveat if that's all right oh, yeah, cool. I, I come across a bit of a there when i do podcasts because i always talk about the day is numbered and okay. it's not because that's my what i want it's just because no. it's a harsh reality i actually it's quite the opposite i would like to see this become a lot easier for the cottage uh industry you know i, I think it needs that so yeah. i i because i think i give a bad impression when i say it like that i say our concern not actually because i want it <laughs> like, it's- yeah,
0: absolutely, and I think you know there are things that we need to to get right, and we need to change. And you know, one of them is finance for property investors, small scale property investors, and insurance for small scale property investors. There's a few bits and pieces that we can change, and which, which I'm banging on about all the time for everyone who follows me on social media. They know, but you know that that they changing these things will actually make it more accessible and mean that more property investors can get into it. And I I think we'll get there with that eventually. You know, but I,
1: I, I'd like to see somebody create an actual product specifically targeted at this because you know at the moment you've got the likes of Shawbrook and Cambridge and counties they'll fund sort of HMO buy to let mortgages um, and they're very good lenders um, but there's nobody out there who's really come out specifically with a ESG compliant supported product which to me is ridiculous when they're offering me like 75 basis point reductions for improving in energy efficiency some banks not those banks other banks and I'm like why don't you give me 75 basis point discount for providing actually a social impact to a community like and actually lend against it and don't just give me loads of reasons why you can't all the time it's it's frustrating
0: it is there are a few products out there but they're really expensive and it's actually what the you know they're not looking to me they're inflating the risk and i think it's looking at actually that these should be at the same level as buy to let mortgage lending you know that's where we need it to be for it to work um but yeah for all reasons
1: not financial.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Toby, thank you. We'll pop your contact details in the show notes. So if people want to find you, they can find you there. And um, thank you very much. Take care. Thank you Bye. Time. Thank you for listening today. If you want to find out more, please go to my website, www.lisabrown.uk, where you can download a free guide to supported living property.